Welcome to Next, brought to you by Content Labs. I'm Zelina Khan, your host, and I'm so excited to bring you season four with a brand new set of guests to educate, motivate, and hopefully inspire you in and out of the workplace. More money, more problems. You ever heard that phrase? Let's get real for a second and talk about how money can be a major cause of stress, whether it's switching careers, having to move, retirement planning, or just figuring out how to invest. But fear not, because today we have financial literacy coach Mecca Dreams from the Alignment Agency to share some insights on how we can all improve our relationship with money. Hi, Mecca. We're so excited to have you here with us today. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me on this platform. Um, This is amazing that you guys are starting to prioritize wellness um, and kind of just getting under the hood under some of these concepts that have been very scary for way too long. It's great to have you on today because I think it'd be really cool to just talk about our relationship with money and, um, you know, and and get any gems and and tips that we can get from you, you know, when it comes to money. So um, you and your husband, Kwesi, um, you guide millennials on basically how to strengthen financial literacy skills. And I think that's so amazing, right? When you think about it, because when I think back on high school, undergrad, grad school, um, no one really talks about that, right? I I don't recall ever getting like a budgeting 101 (laughs) or a money 101 class. And I mean, it it, it just, I wish I did, right? Mm -hmm. So hopefully I think whoever is listening, if they haven't gotten one either, they can get something from this too. But um, I know some of your services include client consultation where you discuss long-term savings, retirement plans, legacy planning. Um, and then you also offer the uh, the one-hour power creative yeah. services. And that's when like you dive kind of headfirst into financial goals mm-hmm. and how like someone can accomplish whatever their financial goals are. Yeah. So, um, you know, you just offer a, a nice like range of services, really practical services too, which I think is absolutely amazing. Um, but what I want to do is just like reel it back. And um, I kind of want to know how you got started into into doing all of this. Yeah, wow, great question. So first off, I hope to shed some light um, and kind of demystify some financial building tools. Um, but my journey was not very traditional. I didn't go to college to be a financial advisor. I actually had a lot of financial anxiety um, growing up because, um, you know, middle-class family, I kind of saw both of both uh both of the worlds where it was like, I have family who lives in the inner city and might not have much finances, but they've got love, they've got community. And then there's on the other side, I might see that family who was a little bit more wealthy, the ones that are a little bit more financially free, but they don't have the best like emotional stability. They don't have the best communication. They don't have the best community. And I always wanted to figure out like, how can I have the best of both? Um, without sacrificing my soul. (laughs) So wellness is something that's always been super important to me, whether that was in career. Um, I knew whatever I wanted to do in this life, I was going to be able to give back to people um, and just lead with love and lead with value. So I started off my college journey thinking I want to be a psychologist. I want to heal people's minds and their emotions. And then like three months in, I was like, that's not it. Let's try something else. So um, I took that with me all throughout college, ended up settling on a degree in media production and communication, 
where I really learned how to tell stories. I um, loved working with a camera. Um, I grew up kind of shy, very observant as a kid, but not the most uh, expressive or outgoing. So for me, finding a camera and finding art, that was the way that I could express myself. Um, then also, again, add value to people. And so that turned into a small business, my first one ever, um, doing branding and media for businesses here in the Bay Area. And that was super duper dope. And kind of going on my own journey financially after college, realizing, okay, I have this degree and I, I really want to do a, be a business owner, but I don't necessarily have all the tools to do so. And, you know, you hear the myths about the first two years. That's when most people go bankrupt out of their business and end up back on square one. So I was like, I just do not want to be that. So um, I figured out ways to leverage my skills um, as a contractor, as a small business owner, and kind of just did my thing here and there. And then fast forward to the pandemic, I was realizing that a lot of my contracts were ending, right? I was working with small business owners and we know they got hit the hardest. Um, and my now husband, um, at the time, he had just got his life and health license. He was working with this amazing organization that was mentoring him, guiding him in his process. And I was like, that seems kind of cool. I think, you know, with my skills in media and loving to talk to people and your skills with money, let's put our heads together and figure out how we can, you know, build our own organization and empower people in the way that we kind of just don't see on an everyday basis in our community. You kind of had an aha moment when you decided to pivot careers, right? Can, can you tell me a little bit about that? I mean, I've always been very curious about money, but that anxiety part was really, really loud, like it is for most mm -hmm. people. So I had spent a lot of time studying kind of on my own, not too much of sharing things. I would maybe, you know, show a book here or there that I was reading, but it was very much a, like a personal thing. Um, and then when I decided to kind of get my life and health license, I didn't tell anyone about it <laughs> at first. I was like, mm, I'm just going to keep this in my back pocket. And I didn't really plan on fully using it, to be quite honest. But uh, I always say when you don't move, sometimes God will move you. And that's literally what happened. I was able to be a resource to people just through the things that I was learning kind of during my quiet times. You mentioned that your life and health insurance certified. Is that correct? Yes. Um, why, for, for someone that's looking for a, a coach, why is it important for someone to have that? If I'm looking for a planner, you know, is that something I would ask? Like, hey, are you, like, do they have to be certified? Yeah. So, I mean, in this digital era, there's a lot of coaches who aren't certified that deal with more of the mindset of money, right? How to overcome your traumas and your fears and your ideals around that. And that's one level. And then there's people who actually have a certification, whether it's life and health or um, they're, you know, financial uh, professionals in another license, or they have their securities license that can actually help you to tangi tangibly build out strategies and investment accounts and legacy plans with like this actual piece of paper. So is it 100% necessary for anyone you know, looking to you know, acquire a coach or even become a coach? No, but for where I was mm -hmm. at, I knew that actually life insurance and health insurance is the foundation of anyone's uh, financial portfolio because without certain tools, I mean, your, your whole money game will crumble. 
it will crumble. So I knew just kind of entering into the field, number one, it's the kind of the most accessible license to get within the amount of time that I needed. And then also it's kind of just the building blocks of everything else. A big part of why we were so excited to have you on um, the podcast is, you know, the way you talk about someone's relationship with money, right? Um, or just, and you know, you think about money during like such difficult times we've, we've been through. Um, I think we should just start with how do you define money? Mm-hmm. Yes, how do we define money? It's so deep. It's so deep. <laughs> At its core foundation, money is just a tool, right? The energy comes from how you use that money. I always like to say, uh, doesn't matter what type of person you are, a good person or a bad person, money is just going to amplify that, right? And I think a lot of the times in society, unfortunately, most people who have been seen with money have not done right by it, which is why a lot of us growing up, we have this like weird, almost eerie feeling. If I have too much, I either need to like not tell anyone about it or I'm going to subconsciously squander it because I don't feel like I deserve it. I don't feel like I need to have it. It somehow makes me a bad person if I have too much. But then I also got anxiety and I have fear if I don't have enough of it. And now I think I'm worthless. What an emotional roller coaster, right? And that kind of comes from letting money control Mm -hmm. you. Versus the opposite, right? Instead of the other way around. Right. So the main things that we obviously use money for is, you know, our our baseline uh, physiological needs, right? Our our room and board, our food, uh, making sure that we can get to and from work, to and from our family's home. Those are like baseline things. When we look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, the first kind of pillar there is just you being a human interacting with the world, right? But think about that. If you don't even have those things taken care of, if you're worried about what you're going to eat every day, how you're going to pay your rent, How possible is it for you to kind of get to the top tier? So when we're looking at money, yes, it is, it it is what we do with it, right? It's an energy, but at the, at the very least, it's a tool to get you from point A to point C. And I think for, for instance, the people who have money, we should make it a lot more accessible or create more opportunities for people who don't. So that way we can all kind of get on the same playing field. Well, what are your thoughts on the phrase? Work smarter, not harder. Ooh, that's like actually my favorite phrase. <laughs> that's my favorite, favorite phrase. I love that phrase too. People are making businesses out of thin air these days. There's, I feel like there's just bags raining down from every direction. So work smarter for me is, again, like using the, the things that God has already blessed you with and figuring out how it can provide value to another person you're always going to be taken care of, whether that's monetarily, whether that's a connection, whether that's a referral, whether that's just putting you in a certain room for you to be able to flourish. Um, I think it starts there. And then when we're at our careers, right, are we utilizing the platforms that we're given to their, their, their highest advantage, right? Or are we trying to you know, uh, for me, I'm a recovering uh, controller, right? Meaning like I used to just love to do all the things by myself. Like I didn't need a team. I don't need no help. I am a strong, independent woman. I could do it by myself. But what they say is if you want to go somewhere fast, sure, go ahead and go alone. 
But if you want to go there and then stay there, go with the team. So you got to figure out how to delegate. You got to figure out how to work with people. You got to figure out how to lead, how to talk, how to market. And once you kind of hone in on those skills, no matter what industry that you're in, you'll find a lot of ways to work smarter versus working harder, feeling like you got to do it all yourself. So that's what I think. Yeah, for sure. I, um, and I think a, a big part of working smarter, um, is having a financial advisor, right? Um, I'm very thankful to have one. It's been great to just have perspective. Um, but I do know that sometimes um, people can place maybe too much uh, on their financial advisor. Um, but it's been great to, you know, think about different things. Like one of the services, um, you know, I know you offer, it, it's like legacy planning, right? Like talking about certain things with your parents. And um, I think that's something that probably gets overlooked a bit, oh, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Can you, can you talk about that a little bit? And, and Yeah. Legacy planning is really just having a vision. Well, first it starts with that, having a vision for your future. That's where that life insurance piece comes in. Also other things you want to think about is long-term care, will preps, um, trust. A big reason why we see a lot of these families like the Rockefellers and the Disneys of the world, things like that is because they had a vision early on and a plan and a structure set up. So it didn't matter if those businesses failed or thrived, they already had certain things taken place to where that next generation was gonna be taken care of. So I talk a lot about that with a lot of my millennial clients because um, what a lot of people don't know is that we're in a really huge wealth transfer right now in America. Like. Yes, we just came out of a pandemic, but if you notice, a lot of these huge corporations and these, you know, uh, baby boomers and things like that, they weren't as affected as the millennials were. Like, let's like really take a look at it, right? And that's for a reason, because they have been saving um, for a certain amount of time, right? They had certain things already set up. Um, a lot of these businesses were kind of already expecting for some big market crash to happen because. Um, if we take a look at history, historically, um, a huge shift in the market happens usually between every eight to like 12 years. So when we take a look at our parents, the boomers um, and those kind of right before the boomer area, we think, you know, people who have been working at their jobs for 30, 40 years. Right. People who are about to retire or who are retired. And a big thing that we don't tend to think about in retirement is what is number one, my plan for distribution, meaning how much money am I going to be able to live off of? But also, what is my plan if I ever was to get sick, ill, or injured? How long is that money going to last me? So having a proper legacy plan, especially when you're young, growing up, is crucial. So you don't have to end up like a lot of people's parents are. But then also on the back end, having those convos with your parents actually ensures that when they do pass down a legacy, you know exactly what it is and how to properly prepare for what, what that transfer of assets really looks like. Which for some people can be an uncomfortable conversation too, right? right? Especially if you got the money trauma, <laughs> right? If you have anxiety, if you've never talked about money with your parents, but you're sitting down with a professional and leading by example, because a lot of the times our parents 
don't typically want to listen to us about those type of things. They're like, what do you know? I still give you money every month. Right. I know a lot of people who are in that position. So them sitting down with me and really just understanding and getting those three basic rules of money, learning how to really properly put together their budget, then setting up their own legacy, their own retirement plans. Now they're feeling confident enough to be like, you know what? Now that I'm done, I've led by example. Let me also sit down my mom with you or my dad with you. And let's all have this family conversation together because they'll know from now experience and wisdom, what that can look like. Right. And then it kind of just, that's great. You know, a little bit more airy. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's great. Um, uh, I know you have a really good analogy on the legs of our retirement system. Uh, Yeah. Can can you, can you give us a little breakdown? And this is not something that I made up. (laughs) Okay. So I can't take credit for it. Okay. But um, when we're looking at retirement and retirement is really just, if you're in in between, let's say, 25 to maybe even like 30, 32, right now you're just kind of planting seeds, right? You're planting seeds to be able to harvest a garden in the future. But um, a lot of the times we only know one way to do that. We know about the traditional, let's say, 401k, 403b, um, but that's actually just one leg of a retirement stool. Think about a bar stool. You're like, you know, at the bar, something cute with your girls and Imagine you put your purse right next to you on a bar stool. So one of those legs, as I just mentioned, right, is your company-sponsored plan. Traditionally, that money is coming from what's called our gross income, so before taxes, right? So you don't actually get to see that money when they pay you. It's kind of just you set it and you forget it. The problem with that, though, is that when we decide to pull that money out, what haven't we paid yet? So we haven't paid our taxes. We haven't paid our taxes, right? And do we know how high taxes will be when we decide to retire? No, we don't. We I have don't. have no clue. No, we literally don't know. It's not like what you see is what you get. It's what you see is how much they're going to probably deduct from what you actually get later down the line. So that's already like a wobbly leg of that stool, right? Second leg of that stool is something called Social Security, Right. Our parents relied pretty heavily on this. Um, it was supposed to be a like um, a pay it forward type of plan, if you will, meaning that us right now who are paying into the Social Security account, we're actually paying for the people who are retired right now. So you're not putting that away for your future. It's you're paying for someone right now, which is awesome on like a you know philanthropic level. But what does that mean again in 20, 30 years when it's our time to retire, right? Who's going to be paying for us? Mind you, most people in our generation and those younger than us, they don't want to work a job. Think about it. They want to contract because they want to travel. They want to have small businesses because they'll get more time freedom and money freedom, which means if most of them don't have a traditional nine to five, who's really going to be paying for our social security? We don't know, right? Another waffle leg, right? Let's go ahead and remove that one. And then the final leg of that stool that people used to rely on is something called a pension plan. Our parents also love these, right? Because our parents come from the generation of, I'm going to work at this company for 20, 30 years, and then I'm going to lay down my hat, and they're going to kind of fund the rest of my lifestyle. But what's crazy is, yeah. They really ever give you 100% of what you were making. So really, you work 30, 40 years to retire on about 60 to 70% of what you couldn't live off of in the first place. For people that 
don't really know where to start mm -hmm. when it comes to saving. Yeah. I think it would be great to get some just like practical advice from you, um, especially when it comes to like, you know, where do I start to save? Where it, like, where should my money go? Um, I think about people that also have had to maybe dig into a savings account they had, you know, you know, but I guess my question is, what do you recommend for people that are just starting out to say that are just starting out and want to save and, you know, maybe what would you recommend for people that are coming out of college yeah. and would like to retire? Mm -hmm. First step is, is being honest about how much you spend and then how much do you need to spend? Right. So a lot of times we're not saving because we just don't know what our habits are and we haven't set up those systems. So that first step, um, and for a lot of my clients who are either coming out of college or they're just kind of fresh in their first career, I tell them the first thing that they need to do is print out the last two months of their bank statements, right? Because that will tell you all that you need to know. So we take a look at those bank statements and we take the averages between those two months. So we look at, of course, things like rent, how much is your utilities, cell phone bill, Wi-Fi bill. Those are your needs though. But the extra things are what we take a real keen eye at. So those extra things are like shopping on Fashion Nova, Amazon purchases. We're looking at how much are you spending eating out versus those groceries that you just bought. Um, how much is your you know, budget for things like wine? Like very real things. <laughs> we take a look at that. They see, look at the averages and then we compare it against how much are you actually making, right? How many streams of income do you have? One or two. If you're a small business owner looking at, okay, what is that process? And this is where the creative um, calls come in. What is the process for your sales look like? How is the operations on the back end looking for you to actually be able to increase those sales? What does your marketing strategy look like? So you can, again, increase those sales and that's for more small businesses, right? So then if you're, let's say, traditional nine to five, where after we look at what you're spending money on and what you're making, we come in as where we're seeing how, what is your current process of savings? And for 90% of people, it's I save after I spend, right? Which is recipe for disaster. I learned very early on that broke people pay their bills first when they get paid, right? Wealthy people pay themselves first. And this is how that goes. As soon as someone gets paid, the first thing they should be doing is taking anywhere between 10, 15, maybe even 20, if you got a lot of cushion and putting that into savings, right? If you're a little bit more advanced than others, it should be split. You should put some into an investment type of vehicle outside of your job. Because again, we already know what the 401k, 403b going to do, do that over there, right? So something separate to replace one of the legs of that stool. So you already got that working for you. If you don't have an emergency saving yet, then you put some into your emergency saving as soon as you get paid, right? After that, then you're paying for your necessities. That's your rent. That's your utilities. That's your other stuff, right? Once that's taken care of, then you can have some wiggle room with what type of grocery shopping do you do that month? Are you going to Food for Less Grocery Outlet or are you doing Whole Foods, right? Depends on your budget and kind of where you're at with all those other things, right? Um, then we got, okay, now I can spread a little bit on my shopping. Now I can get my nails done. Now I can get my hair done. And then when that money's gone, it's gone. <laughs> and you're not feeling the guilt of, oh, I also didn't save anything. Oh, I should have invested that, but I overspent. It kind of eliminates that because you took care of it in the beginning of the month. Mm-hmm. It's clicking, isn't it? 
Oh yeah. I, I do like that. I'm like broke people pay their bills first. Wealthy people pay themselves first. You talked about money, trauma, money wounds. Um, I think some people might listen and say, what if, you know, money, trauma, money wounds. Um, I think when you actually like describe what it is, it really starts to make sense. So can we actually like define that a little bit more? Yeah. Yeah. Money traumas typically are things that are passed down to us from our parents or whoever kind of raised us. However, they do money. We're either going to do the exact same thing or the exact opposite. Right. So working with a planner can really help you to analyze what type of spending habits do you have? How are you raised with money around the ages? I want to say of like seven to about 12. That's usually when our foundation is the most ingrained in us. Um, so let's as an example, if we have a child who was grown up in a house where mom was always like, you know, we don't have it. Don't ask for nothing in the store. We're broke. We're broke. Um, but yet, you know, spends on maybe more lavish things like their car or their hair and nails are always done or dad always has a new suit. Mm -hmm. It creates a disconnect to where when you're an adult, you're going to think the things that you should prioritize is looking wealthy versus actually being wealthy. Right. If we, yeah. been, you know, grew up in a family where we did have lots of money and uh, I've seen cases of people who, you know, their parents always talk to them about savings and finance and things like that. But because they didn't have the emotional connection with their parents, they typically did the opposite. Right. So when dad's not there, but he's always giving you talks about money and this and that, you go to resent money and you grow up and you want nothing to do with it. Right. So there's a lot of different ways that it will play out. And the, the first thing I'm usually trying to get to know with my clients is like, what's your story? What's your story and how has that shaped you? And sometimes they don't know until they actually tell me stories about, you know, being in the store or, you know, even a lot of people, they start to realize that even like going to college, right? When we're applying for all these schools and your parents might be like, that's out of state fees, like my mom did. <laughs> like, oh, you want to go to the South? Who's going to pay for that? Very similar. Very similar with me. Oh, really? Um, I knew I wanted to go to a certain school. Mm -hmm. I had to get very smart, <laughs> very, very, very creative. Mm -hmm. But it's very cool to think about like the root cause analysis. Like if I spend too frivolously, why is, why that? is that? If I'm on the cheap side, why is mm -hmm. that? Right. Or if I don't like to talk about money, why is that? Or there are some people that love to talk about yeah. money. Once someone acknowledges their relationship with money, I think it's less of a burden, right? What do you what do you think about the, the, the there's this whole idea of like financial wellness as an act of a self-care versus a burden. Um how how does one make it a fun ritual? Ooh, I love this. I love this. So, um one of my friends by the name of Carolyn, she calls it her monthly money date. So this is a time where you have a set uh, amount of time on your calendar, usually between the first and like the fifth of the month. I find that if you do it past the fifth, you're going to kind of be a little lackadaisical about it. Five days have already gone by. It's already a week and you're now behind. So the first and the fifth is your you know key time. 
You're going to set up anywhere between an hour to maybe three hours. I would give yourself more time if this is super new to you. Less time if you're feeling like, I already got a budget. I got a spreadsheet. I just need to like, you know, move some things around. So what you'll do is you'll be at home. You don't need no distractions. Put on your favorite song. Um, preferably not a TV show because you can get way too ingrained in that. But just music. If you want to pour yourself some wine, go ahead and do that. You want to be kind of like fresh and clear and just in your zone. The first thing that you want to do is look at what did you do last month, okay? Because we always want to reanalyze where are we coming from, and then we're going to talk about where you want to go in the month. So reanalyzing looks like you got your bank statements printed out or they're on your computer screen. You're looking at where you spent your funds, how much did you save, how much did you invest, and you're giving yourself your kudos, right? Even if it wasn't exactly where you want it to be, you know exactly what you got to do to level it up the next month, all right? And then for your goals, you can easily just set those up. I use spreadsheets, but some people like to do the um, like the physical method, like in a budgeting booklet, or they like to do the envelope method. I'm ironing out, okay, what are the things that are coming up this month? All those things I'm actually writing down kind of estimates of what that's going to cost. And then I'm figuring out, once again, what are my pay periods, you know, throughout the month? So uh, for us, we get paid twice a week, which is really convenient. But it can also be really easy to overspend if you know, all right, I'm going to get a check then, I'm going to get a check then. So kind of mapping out what are my averages of the last 12 months that I know I can expect at least this much. And then kind of making sure that I'm exceeding my goals for savings and investing, because that for me is like the biggest deal, right? Some people are in debt. Okay, how much do I want to pay off on this credit card this month? How much am I giving back to the student loan companies this month? I'm mapping all of that out, right? With my music, with my wine, with my husband, he's there too. And we're really just setting up the stage for what our goals are, right? And then the next level to that, if you're a small business owner or you'd maybe just have some personal and professional goals you want to slay that month, I'm writing those down too, right? How many new clients do I want to interact with? Um, how many podcasts do I want to be on? All those things will eventually lead to, you know, more financial freedom and independence. And then, you know, more people who get financially free from that in the process. It's so practical. Hmm. Like what you're giving is it's such a, you know, and, and that's, that's my hope for, you know, having guests on the show, right? Like just give us something that we can use. Give us something that I can listen and I can just go take action on right away. And I, I love that. I love, I love the concept of just taking some time and being one with my budget, being one with my money, being one with my goals. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Very, very practical. Yeah. Two hours out of a whole month, like, y'all, we can do. Mm -hmm. I've seen it change people's entire financial status because when it's just you and that money, you, you can't really hide anymore. And that's a good thing, especially if you really want. To. No, you can't. You know, you can do it. And yeah. I, I mean, I've had a, a friend who's also a client who, when she came to me, she was like negative everything. She's like, I'm spending way too much every month. I got hella debt. I got personal loans. I got this, mm. I got that. And like six months later, she's like, this is the first time that I've saved $10,000. Like I've never had more than $10,000 saved. What advice would you have for parents on how to teach their kids about 
having a healthy relationship with money. Ooh, and what age are these kids? Are they like adults? I don't know. I mean, I have a lot of nieces and nephews um, between the ages of like four and 15. Okay. And in the world of uh, Roblox, mm-hmm. there's a lot of requests. <laughs> um, and in the world of Amazon, there are lots of requests. Mm. What would you advise for that? Yes. Um, a lot of purchase requests. Yes. I, I'm going to answer this because I've seen this work with one of my mentors' kids. Give them a responsibility. It's really important for kids to know growing up that, number one, money, even though it's not a difficult thing to acquire, it does take what I always say, leading with value, right? What are you exchanging that tool for? So if you're giving your kids a responsibility, whether that's, okay, wash the dishes, I'm going to give you an allowance, right? It shows them how to do things like budget prematurely, right? Because if my allowance is $10, but the toy I want is let's say 14, well, either I got to get really good at sales and marketing (laughs) to be able to ask you why I think you should let me borrow $4, or I got to get really good at um, utilizing my money in the right way, right? Making proper decisions with my money. Do I need this $14 toy? Or maybe this $10 toy will suffice, and or maybe I can wash some extra dishes, right? Mom, can I mow on? Can I do this? Can I do that? So it teaches them responsibility from a really early age um, if we're setting them up with practical skills and also allowing them to splurge because I don't think childhood should be like, I don't know, like prison, <laughs> right? You shouldn't want to give your kids things. But, you know, if we want them to be raised a little bit better than we were raised, um, let's do things that our parents didn't necessarily um, have a chance to do with us for, you know, whatever reason. So I was, you know, take responsibility, give them a role, have them start a small business, um, all types of things to do. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Um, wow. You just gave us a whole spectrum <laughs> of advice I tried. for all the generations. Um, thank you so much. I'm so glad we were able to sit down and talk about, know energy and money and um i uh if people want to learn more about you and your services um where can they find you yes yes so you can find me in two places um one is on instagram on my personal page or we'll post content um, about life insurance savings retirement planning legacy building and all things generational wealth and freedom Um, So if you're interested in doing a consultation and learning more about how my services work, um, both those places are where you will find us and our booking links. So excited to see you guys. Shifting your mindset around money is a lifelong journey, but Mecca has given us some great insight and tips on how to get started with that by creating a positive relationship with your finances. Take some time to have a money date with yourself. Discuss legacy planning with your parents, spouses, and children. These actions will better your money habits and overall wellness. You can reach out to Mecca at Mecca at allthingsalignment.com if you're interested in booking a one-on-one consultation or learning more. Until next time. If you made it to the end of this episode, thank you for listening. Make sure you hit the like button and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. If you have a question, comment, or suggestion, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at nextpodcast at transperfect.com or visit our website at nextpodcast.transperfect.com. Support for this podcast comes from Transperfect, a family of companies providing language and technology solutions for global business. 